Hey guys, what's up? You're listening to a special episode of the Design Exchange. I am here, co-hostless, because she's sick today. I told her to stay at home and eat some vitamin C or drink some vitamin C, however that works. And I'm joined in the studio today by someone who I can't pronounce his name and I'm going to get it wrong through this whole thing. <laughs> Vasilios? Did I say it right? Yeah, that's right. Berlitas. Berlitas. Vasilios Berlitas. I just call you Vasilios Birdies. <laughs> Actually... The first day of school was always a, a complete and utter um, nightmare simply because the, the teacher would actually look in homeroom, look at, my, um, look at my name, and then I would get things like Vaseline Berlidius. <laughs> Try living that down. I like how you shortened it. On, so I'm going <clears> to... <throat> I should introduce you first. Versilius is... is not, I got it wrong already. Versilius V for short. <laughs> V.C. is an artist. <laughs> well, he's an author. And his book is called Muse Unexpected. Vasilios, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background? I know you told me. You're, sure. from, you're from Columbus, right? No, actually, no? I'm originally from Miami, Florida. Um, although I've lived in Ohio more um, than I did when I was um, in Miami. I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. I love did, Miami. How did you end up here? Um, you know what? An ex. Really? <laughs> yeah, he uh, he was on vacation, kind of like one of those uh, chance meetings. I went off to Key West to have a little fun, and then three months later, we I moved to not Columbus but Shelby, Ohio, which is the armpit of. Is Ohio. that where is that where the hills are? Yeah. <laughs> is it like is it Oregon? No, yeah, I mean it's north. it's so you know where Mansfield is? It's fifteen yes. it's fifteen miles north of Mansfield. Okay. Woosterish. Yeah, I mean it's you know, if you if you weren't born in uh, Shelby, Ohio, then nobody ever talked to you. <laughs> so I had I had two two people that basically talked to me. One was the lady that cut my hair, and the other one was a lady next door to us who I think was suffering from Alzheimer's because she thought I was her uh, son, Jimmy. <laughs> and I would go for a walk, and she would see me out there, and she goes, hey, Jimmy, now, now you, you don't stay out too long because dinner's on the stove. Of course, it was 8 a.m., you know, and I would just say, okay, Mom, no problem. That's hilarious. So, yeah. How long were you up there for? Um, let's see. I, we lived in Shelby, Ohio for a year and a half, and then we moved to the thriving metropolis of Mansfield, Ohio, which, funny enough, actually, Mansfield um, kind of gets a bad rap because it's, uh, well... It, I know people from there, actually. We lived in Mansfield for about six years. Um, I convinced my ex to actually move to Columbus, and then after a few years, we were together nine total, um, we just had grown apart, and we parted as friends. Oh, um, cool. And then three months later, I met Joel, and we've been together now. Actually, we just recently celebrated our 22nd anniversary. Oh, cool. I'm only 22, so you guys must have met when I was born. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. You were just showing me pictures of your house, though. You live in, do you live in Clintonville? Yeah, I live in, I live in northern Clintonville, although most of the traditional Clintonville people will, would not acknowledge our neighborhood as being part of Clintonville proper. But we're almost in Worthington, so. Okay, my friend lives over there. Uh, she does all of our wallpaper stuff. What's that one big, long road? Oh, you mean? It's um, by a park. It's a busy road. Oh, uh, North Broadway or Cook Road or... No, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, the houses over there are kind of cute. Yeah. Which is the inspiration in your book, right? Yeah, So we're, yeah. we have Vasilios on here today to talk about interiors. He's going to talk about his book. But how did this come up? We were going to talk about the interiors in your book. Right. And the imaginative 
imagination process when you're maybe reading a book where inspiration comes from and how you put your mind into a certain setting, right? That's yeah. What, that's what we're going to yeah. talk about. <laughs> well, <laughs> the title of your book is Muse Unexpected. The title of his book is Muse Unexpected. And you've updated this book. It's been out for a while. Yeah. It, I'm, actually, I haven't read it yet, I'll be honest. I'm, gonna, <laughs> been, I'm in the process. I am reading it. But... I mean, it's good. It's based in Greece, right? And right. It originally starts in Columbus, Ohio. It starts I mean, in Columbus. So, wait, I thought I was in Greece. Uh, well, the first, the <laughs> prologue actually is, is, is actually takes place in Greece, uh, okay. but then it immediately flips to um, Columbus, Ohio. And at, as, a, as what a coincidence, it, it starts in Clintonville. You've been a fan of ballet. I'm reading that. Right, right. So does that come into the book at all? Um. Uh, no, actually it doesn't. What's, what's interesting about the book is it, it's basically an epic coming-of-age tale about a young girl named Sophia who, um, you know, after her father mysteriously dies, and this is a father that she absolutely adored and loved, and after he mysteriously dies, uh, she basically is thrust into a world of the Olympians and demigods, and, you know, so... So she's actually forced to deal with uh, a prophecy that basically says that she is going to be the last thing that stops the Olympians from rising up and taking over the world and enslaving humanity. And this all happens in Columbus, Ohio? Well, it starts in Columbus. <laughs> okay, because I'm Columbus. like, what did I miss? <laughs> I need to read that. Now I want to read the book. <laughs> it, starts, it starts in Columbus. And, um, and then because she, during this process of her being um, initiated into this world, she's transformed by the original daughters of Zeus, which is what the muses are, the nine daughters of Zeus. And so, you're Greek, so that, that plays a big part in this, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, that's what I got out of the, yeah. um, what yeah. I was, well, for just from knowing you. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, my father, it, what really got me started as far as it was this memory that I have of my father reading me bedtime stories. And his idea for bedtime stories was basically the Greek myths. So he had this, this really worn, tattered um, um, paperback, and it had all of these different stories. And, you know, if anyone's ever familiar with the with the Greek myths they're absolutely horrific I mean you know there's there's death there's 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 rape I mean there, there's just and he would read these to you and he would read these to me and that I explains had, a lot I know <laughs> I know I, I I really need therapy I no think. I mean it gives you a good personality it makes you more interesting I think don't oh, you well that's sweet yeah yeah no I don't like boring people and I would say you're not one of my boring friends. Would I be here if I was one of your boring no. friends? No. And I said to you, would you be sitting there if you had no taste? I know. <laughs> but he didn't say good taste. So just remember that. So how did you get in? Tell me about the process of writing a book. Because I actually have a book sitting on my desk that is called Write the Damn Book. Because I am like, I have 50 million things going on. A book has been on my list for years. I have them all planned, chapters all planned out. I just never got around to doing it. Your writing is fiction, right? right? And your imagination seems to be a little more unique than mine, <laughs> I think. Well, I mean, but unless what? unless unless I have a daily uh, connection with Olympian gods and gorgons and all different sorts of of, of things, then yeah. And that's basically uh, Callie, uh, Callie uh, Sophie's mother, explaining to her that you know 
Callie actually, um, I mean, Sophie actually ends up going into a coma after the transformation. And when she wakes up, she is perfection physically. I mean, she is a, you know, and not that she was ugly to begin with, but she was a stereotypical teenager, pimples and all. And she wakes up and she's lost like 30 pounds. And, you know, she's got beautiful hair that glows, you know, and, and flawless skin. And it's not like you're describing me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what my inspiration for this book was, Danny Russo. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so, no. so basically Callie is explaining to her, you know, hey, no, you know, uh, we're, we're not werewolves or vampires or what. We're muses. And, and your father was a big muse, it sounds like. I'm going, I'm going, going back. Uh, my dad, yeah. yeah so well, your father was your muse. Well, and that got certain, you into writing. Yeah, that, and actually, it, it it wasn't until later in life that I decided to um, to write, simply because you know, you know, the everyday job that I have is, for lack of a better term, it's mundane. And mm-hmm. I had been a ballet dancer. I had studied ballet. I saw that, and I thought I was. You thought it was a it was a typo. I, I thought it was about the book. <laughs> I'm like, she must have been a ballerina. No, no, no. So no. you were the ballerina. I was the ballet dancer, yes. <laughs> so, you know. Interesting. Yeah, so I studied. Um, I studied with Martha Marr School of Ballet, and she was actually rated one of the top ten in the country by Mikhail Baryshnikov. Mikhail Baryshnikov was the um, principal dancer and was actually the artistic director for American Ballet Theater, which is like one of the top ballet companies in the United States. Hmm. Um, and maybe a good reference was he actually played a love interest of Carrie Bradshaw on Sex and the City. He was the Russian. I know what you're talking about. Right. Exactly who you're talking about. Yes, he, he was actually a He famous, is Russian, isn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> so he, he was a very famous uh, dancer. Um, you know, and then when... Sure. Keep going. So, you know, so I studied ballet and went off to New York to study with the New York City Ballet, uh, their school, School of American Ballet, which was, which we, at, with a full scholarship, which was amazing. And, you know, after one summer, I kind of thought, mm, I'm not sure whether or not I want this to be my career. And I went to college instead. So then I just kind of dabbled in ballet a little bit, and then when I reached the ripe old age of 40 and, um, and suffered an injury performing with a local ballet company here in Columbus, um, I pretty much said that I had to hang up my ballet slippers, so to speak. So, I can't believe we're having this conversation. I didn't know any of this. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, so, you know, so there I am, mundane job, uh, no ballet, and I needed a creative outlet, and Joel, my husband, uh, basically said to me, well, why don't you write a book? And I was like, okay, fine, I'll write a book. So I sat down and I was coming up with this story about you know, this little young girl that was in her bedroom and, it was a, and it, there was a horrible thunderstorm and she has a premonition that her father dies and, and it's at nighttime and, it's, and, just, and I stopped and I thought, holy I just wrote it was a dark and stormy night, which is, you know, which is something that um, is showcased on the Peanuts. And I tore that apart and I just kind of thought, what, what, the, what the hell am I doing? I can't write a book. Um, but, but then I went back and yeah. I just... I remember your process. I remember when you going through this whole thing. Yeah. And then I, um, I went back and I came up with this idea. I said, okay, let's do the Greek gods. Now, I know there's the whole Percy Jackson thing that is already I don't really established. Like that movie, do you? No, no, I don't. I like Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. Love Harry Potter. 
So I wanted to basically tap into the Harry, Bo Harry Potter enthusiast, but then also throw in the Greek gods. And I didn't want to do the stereotypical big, strong Greek gods. I wanted them to be quirky and slightly homicidal. And, <laughs> and, and, Your imagination, wow. Yeah, and what ended up happening was I thought, well, what, what Greek god would, would be the unlikely hero? And then I remembered the muses. And, of course, the muses are the nine daughters of Zeus that are responsible for inspiration. So, for example, Danny, when you are working on in, in, with interior design, there's, there's supposedly a muse that is whispering in your ear to keep you going and inspired. Oh, yeah. Now, that's all like, you know, and then... The There's only... also voices in... <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm married to a psychiatrist. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding, goodness. kidding. All the free therapy keep going, you keep can going, have. Keep going, keep going. Anyway, so... Um, I want to know about the interiors. Of, sure. Like, where do these Greek, in your imagination, like, where did the... In since we're mostly interior designers listen to our, our podcast, some clients, some people that are just fans. But tell us about the interiors. Like, where are they, did, these Greek, did these Greek gods, do you talk about their homes? Well, well, I'm trying to connect this to interior design somehow, and I'm struggling. No, no, no. no. It's not a bad thing. No, no. I mean, no, it's not necessarily. I think there, there, there's actually um, two Greek gods that actually you get to visit their home, and that's, of course, Persephone and Hades, who live in the underworld. And... You know, the thing about Persephone and Hades, um, if, if just a kind of a, a summary, is Hades saw her, he dragged her into the underworld, she was trying to, um, you know, figure out a way to escape, and she ended up eating six pomegranate seeds, and therefore, because she ate this kind of like, what if you want to say, food of the dead, um, she was then damned to spend six months out of the year um, um, in the underworld and then six months outside of the underworld. Um, and, you know, because she was the goddess of spring yeah. and her mother was basically Mother Nature, she, um, that's why we have winter, you know, that's and that's why we have fall. So that's how the Greeks actually kind of explained the changing of the seasons and it was because of, of Hades and Persephone. Now, the funny thing about Persephone is she is homicidal. There's just no way of getting around it. And for some reason, she has latched on to Pottery Barn. And she, she, you know, so there's this Greek guy. I really wish I would have read this book before we did the interview. <laughs> well, you can feel free to have me back. I will, I will. But she's absolutely just, just obsessed with Pottery Barn. And what she does is she convinces Hades to, Hades to give up this huge grand castle that he normally would live in um, and create a beach house on the River Styx. Now, the River Styx is the river where all of the dead souls are floating by on their way, on their journey to the afterlife. And, and Persephone's hobby is to actually throw s stones at them. <laughs> okay. So, she, so she's, she's not a very nice person. No. But, you know, just to give you an idea, so there's this beach house and, you know, and... So are we in present day? We're in a present day fantasy. Right. Kind of, yeah. That's what this sounds like. It is. It is a present day fantasy. And her beach house is, once again, decorated in, in obnoxiously um, everything that Pottery Barn has, has to offer. Now, what made you pick Pottery Barn? You know, I just thought, I just thought it would be funny to have a, um, 
have a goddess that was just obsessed with catalog shopping. And I mean, because she can't go into a pottery barn. You know, she's in the underworld and she can't and she can't escape. So she basically orders from pottery barn via the catalog, and then um um, and then um, the ferryman that basically takes people, takes the dead on his ship to cross over, um, he actually has to pick up her shipments and bring them to her, which is just totally outrageous. I cannot wait to read this tonight. <laughs> if anybody knows me and you're listening to this, you know what uh, my opinion of Pottery Barn is. So Pottery Barn. Pottery so barn Persephone is. and her obsession with Pottery Barn. So... At one point in the book, she actually, uh, you know, she, one, she's the one that left her castle. She's she the one. Her. She's the one that convinced Hades to give up the castle and to create a a beach cottage overlooking the river Styx and watching yeah, the yeah. dead as they float by. I'm falling. So you know, so at one point she actually does manage to escape, you know, and she's one of the main antagonists of the book. And, um, and her goal is to create chaos. And she actually gets to meet Sophie for the first time by kind of trapping her. And what she does is she has just these huge catalogs of Pottery Barn. And, and they have all of these little sticky notes in them. And she kind of, you know, she, she pretends to trip. And, and Sophie, you know, seeing a person in distress, she lifts her up and she goes, you know, I'm sorry, you know, and she goes, well, can you, can, can you sit down, you know, just sit down for a moment, I just need to collect myself. And Sophie just kind of looks at her and, and sees all these catalog and she's like, boy, you love Pottery Barn. She goes, oh my God, yes, yes. As a matter of fact, okay, so these yellow stickies are for things that I really want and I gotta have. And then the blue stickies are the things that I, that, I want, but I'm going to hold off before I order them. And then the purple stickies are the ones that they're not must-haves, but I'll probably end up ordering them anyway. <laughs> you know, I mean, so... You know that's what we do in design. Like, we have our catalogs, and we literally go through and flag things for clients and show it to them. And I actually had a, a very old friend that has long since passed away, and he was an interior designer, and I remember seeing him with his <laughs> sticky notes and all these catalogs and things like that's, that. That's, yeah... We're moving away from catalogs. Everything's going online, but but keep going. Let's sure. Just, so where, so where are we going with? Well, we're so we're about talking about the interiors. So, for example, um, Sophie. Let me read what he said. <laughs> let me read this. Let me read this part because I'm just dying. She found the idea ridiculous. She was supposed to simply accept the idea that her mother and grandmother were muses, and she should happily take up the family business. I don't know what that is yet, but however, Sophie couldn't explain away. Couldn't explain away her loss of memory and recent physical transformation that made Anne Hathaway and the Princess Diaries look like a bad Walmart makeover. <laughs> so you really have gone all out with um, current... What's the word I'm looking for? Well, current, We're in... Basically pop culture. Yes, Introdu pop culture. Pop yeah. culture. Is introducing pop culture into... A into fantasy. A fantasy. Um, and simply because, you know, the book actually is, is written for young adults, but I made sure, kind of like, remember the, well, maybe you won't remember these <laughs> since you're so young, but remember the old Bugs Bunny um, cartoons? Some of the really old ones actually had a lot of adult humor that was sprinkled throughout, that kids would not get it, but adults would actually enjoy it. And that's what I've done here, is I've sprinkled all different sorts of pop culture references that adults will get. Did you see me post enjoy. today the Bugs Bunny plates <coughs> and the rabbit plates? And no. The, the designer commented and posted the poverty pottery barn 
Pottery Barn version on my um, the, the Facebook. Oh. Yeah, they're bunny plates from Dillard's, actually. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. side note. So keep going. Keep so, going. so example for interiors. The, the house that she lives in in Columbus, Ohio, is very humble. Um, hasn't been updated since the 1970s. So it's got it, gold. Clintonville. Yeah, Clintonville. So gold shag carpeting, um, olive um, linoleum on the floor, and um, suntan... Um, suntan um, appliances. So that's like that old brown that they used about. to have. Yeah. Avocado. Yeah. And, you know, and that actually is taken from, in part, my childhood home because yeah. my mother... <laughs> in Miami? In Miami. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, we moved into our, our, our then house uh, in the 1980s, uh, early 80s, and so it had gold shag carpeting and my mother had a special rake that she would use oh God, that she would those, rake... Actually. The carpeting with, and she used to say that was her alarm system because if she saw footprints in uh-huh. the in the shag, then she knew somebody oh, was here. Oh, my mother would do the same thing. She had the room you never go in. Who was in my living room? Oh, that's that's the <laughs> velvet rope room. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, only that. for special occasions. So, I think I've been in a total of three times. <laughs> I actually remember my mother having plastic on her furniture. Well, my grandmother did too. Oh, yeah. it's just oh. everything was covered in plastic. So, you know, so a very humble beginning, and then she's thrust into this world of opulence. So she... Is the opulent world Pottery Barn? No. Okay. No, no, no. No, 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 no. You're talking about, you know, it's... William Sonoma is getting some traction out of this podcast. <laughs> um, I'm going to want paid. <laughs> I'm sorry, Danny. I actually bought a couch from Pottery Barn, but please forgive me. You overpaid your problem, not mine. Oh, it was on sale. It was on sale. If it's on sale, that means it never should have been that price to begin with. <sighs> Danny. That's why you call him Dear Designer. Keep going. I love you, sweetie. I love me too. <laughs> oh, I love me, don't you? <laughs> anyway. So, so anyway, so so the 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 first place that she is introduced to is what I refer to as the Basilico, which is the royal house of inspiration for Greece and Italy. Mm-hmm. And this basically, uh, the exterior of it basically looks like a rundown cottage. Um, and this is taking place in Hios, Greece now, present time. And if you are part of the demagogue society or, or, or um, basically what happens is um, you're able to open up the front door to this cottage and, um, and you walk into the Vasilikos, which is yeah. once again the royal house. And it is this opulent house that, I mean, you know how you've heard, um, you see in sometimes museums like the Metropolitan Museum of Art where mm-hmm. they have whole rooms that have been been um, removed from old castles and they're kind of smacked down and, and recreated so that you can actually get a sense of what it was like. Yeah. Um, basically, that's what this whole castle is made up of, is all of these you know, absolutely opulent rooms with soaring windows and, and... I've been to these castles in Italy, to tell you the truth. Yeah. And they're the most enormous rooms and there will be one chair. Exactly. And I always question, like, what the hell did they do in here? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's exactly. Apparently, ponder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was no phones. There was no technology. I don't... Yeah. yeah. And they were very, very, very oversized rooms. Yeah, and, and basically, that's what she encounters. She encounters a, uh, a library that has every book, including, um, um, you know, sandstone tablets that was ever created. And... Um, it's basically this kind of magical library where it's like a puzzle. So 
it's this huge room. And then basically what it has is it has um, bookcases that basically fold onto each other and shift up and things like that. And it's constant movement. I could see that. So that you're able to actually get the book that you want. You just have to know how to control the <laughs> bookcases. Those um, actually exist, I believe. I think I'm, they I'm do. I'm thinking those things are you turn the... In the, yeah, so yeah, yeah, in the yeah, Museum yeah. of Art, that's how they store art. Right. Like you move everything. That's so funny. Except these kind of move independently because they have basically have a, a, an energy of all their own, and it's just constant movement. It's basically an enchantment. You're, so you sat down and wrote, came up with all of this. Yeah. And then did you have... How did you wordsmith it? Well, Because the, a lot of writing, when I found... I write, and I have, these, I have a book that's 500 creative... Um, inspirations, they'll give you a sentence and you have to write two sentences about right. X amount of things. And some things are weird. But collecting my thoughts and getting this all onto paper and then publishing it, how did you get to that? Well, like, the original book... Just, did, the, did the publisher read it and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, it, it depends on which publisher you ask because, you know, a lot of people will say, or some people that don't really understand the writing process will say writing is the hardest part. Yes. No, it's not. It's actually getting it published. Landing a publisher, landing an agent because there is so much competition. Uh-huh. So it used it, to well books were the route. Right. Back when now in designers we all write books. You know like they're basically about ourselves because we're superficial people doing in a superficial industry, but you're in the super creative right mindset. So did, so, so basically what I did was I, you know, everybody says first make an outline yeah, of yeah. where the story is going to go. Yeah. Well, that lasted for about maybe two weeks. Really? Simply because I felt that the, the plot needed to grow naturally. Mm-hmm. So it was just a process of where is the story going to take me? And I'm not saying that there weren't a few backtracks because I thought, well, that's bull. But I basically would store whatever I was tossing away. Mm-hmm. And then create the actual far-arching story. Now, the original book was probably easily 500 pages, which really? is ridiculous. I mean, it's that's, like more, a, that's a Harry Potter book, 500. Yeah, it is. But, you know, when you're starting out, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty hard to convince somebody to publish a first, uh, a first book of an author that's 500-plus pages. Yeah. So, you know, so you when you land the publisher or if you land the agent, then what you actually do is you actually go through the whole editing process. Yes, that picture in that book is like <laughs> practically a painting. Thank you, Photoshop. Not a wrinkle on my I'm skin. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I look much no, better no, now, no. don't you I, are. Dan? Yes, you do. Anyway, um, you but... You character. <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah, anyway, so, you know, so then when you land the publisher, let's say... Um, then you go through the editing cycle. Now, that is painful. How long did that take for you? It takes, usually it takes several weeks to sometimes several months, depending on how much work needs to be done. Right. And these are, these are professional editors that go through and they read the book, and of course they look for all the grammar mistakes and things like that, and I was told that adverbs are not my friend. <laughs> I'm horrible, like, with grammar, so... So, so they take you through the process, and then, um, then they start actually attacking the plot itself to basically say, like at one point they said, we really need you to put your characters in more peril because there isn't that bam that we're looking for. So I How said, did you take that when they first told you that? 
You know, I, 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 I've always been, when it comes to my writing, I've always been really humble about it. So I'm kind of like, if they're telling me this, they're telling it, you know, for good reason. Right. That's so, a good approach to have. Yeah, you just, I mean, why am I going to, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, there were certain things where I said absolutely not. You know, there mm -hmm. was a suggestion, I'm absolutely not, I'm not going to do that. But with the peril thing, I thought, okay. And so I literally started rewriting, like, the last scene in the book, which is this great big climax of, of horror and, and terror um, uh, that, that happens to Sophie and, and her family, and Would she do go to West Elm? Oh, my God. <laughs> I had to say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think she went to Forever 21. <laughs> which, by the way, is only for tiny Asian people because I certainly can't shop. Basically, so then when you get through the whole editing process, then it's the process of actually developing the cover art and the fonts that you're going to use for the cover art and the blurb on the back of the book and then the artist, um, you know, basically bio. Yeah. Oh, you. Yeah. Uh, bio that needs to go into the back of the book and then also your acknowledgments. And, you know, just to kind of tell you how much everyone was, was really excited about this book, I actually ended up... Uh, starting a GoFundMe account to pay for my first independent editor to look at it before it went to the publisher. And a, a lot of people donated, you know, $5, yeah. $20. Um, I mean, and for each donation, they got a free book once it was published. Um, you know, and then we That's held cool. a great big debut party, which we had over 300 people come. Anyway, so, so then you go through all of that process, and then voila, you have a book, and then you begin the process of writing the next one, marketing the book. Have you edited this? So what after this is published, are we on version one or are we in version two? This is version two, You're and I'm done two. And I'm done with it. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Because that happens a lot. Like you it, it, it does. Read. And the reason why there's a version one and version two was the first publisher I landed, they uh, went out of business. Oh. So as soon as that happened, I was lucky enough to be um, approached by... Um, by Elysian uh, Press, and they uh, they loved the book. They just said, "We want to have it. We want to to work with you." Um, and then you know they said, "Okay." So I I signed the contract, things like that. And then they said, "Okay, but now we need to go through the editing <laughs> process." And I thought, "Holy!" <laughs> I've, well, gi I've given you... I've given birth to this to this thing one too many times. Well, that's not a bad thing. That's how I feel about when I'm doing my creative process with my rooms. I, they're like my children. Somebody asked me on a podcast the other day what my favorite project ever was. I'm like, I can't pick one project. One would get jealous of the other. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, my projects all talk to each other. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so you know so and I love the cover of this though. You have a it's blue and white and, and yeah it's, it's together. Well, and, you know, and the thing about that, then let me just... Your first book was not this... No, it was horrible. I the remember. cover was horrible. It was darker, wasn't it? Yes, it was darker, and I, I just, I did not Because when you brought me this, I was like, what? Yeah. And then I'm like, I thought back, and I'm like, this is the second version. Yeah, so the second version actually is a lot more darker, and and it's it's quirkier, and I think I think actually, thanks to my publisher, that, that we ended up actually developing... Um, a sound, a sound story. Yeah. Um, and some people actually talk about the themes um, throughout the book, and a lot of the underlying themes actually don't deal with the supernatural. It actually deals with family and what we, how we define family for ourselves. Um, well, you were mentioning when we started out um, 
the relationship to Sophie's mother. Her father died unexpectedly, and that's the grandmother. Right, the grandmother. Yeah. And so uh, Greeks and Italians are real big on family. Is that where you got that? Yes, you, yes, yes. Especially from my my mother's side of the family, they were very family oriented, and there was a lot of hugging and a lot of kissing, <laughs> you know. So. But um, yeah, no, I, and then I also wanted to apply, you know, me being gay and how we as gay men and, and, you know, the GLBT community, how we actually define our families because some of us are from a place where our, you know, our blood family aren't necessarily as accepting. So, you know, so with this, we basically have um, Sophie uh, learning to connect with her mother finally mm -hmm. and, and appreciate her and then also connect with a grandmother that's very controlling um, and is very manipulative. Georgia, everything is best with Georgia. You know, she knows best. She, you know, she is always conniving and, and these plans in order for things to happen. Um, Interesting. So, but, you know, so just, so what's really great is also is the three main characters, Georgia, um, Callie, and her, um, and Sophie, are actually based on people that I know. Um, they're actually based on three strong women um, that, um, that really um, made a difference in my life. Uh, one of them is uh, Joel's sister, Christine, my sister-in-law. Um, you know, she had her struggles with uh, all of a sudden being a single mom. Uh, and raising a child, and the relationship between Sophie and Callie is actually based on what I witnessed um, between um, uh, uh, Christine and, and her daughter Grace. Mm -hmm. um, then the my mother is actually, and I'm sure she, you know, God rest her soul, I'm sure she is spinning in her grave with the idea that I based Georgia on her because of her. Of, of, I got that right when I started reading it. Yeah, and and my mother, my mother was a very strong woman, but then she was she was also very controlling. She, you know, she Aren't all of her mothers. Yeah, yeah, they are unfortunately, but you know, but I loved her, and basically, I I wanted to create something where she would always be a part of my life, and this, of course, because she died when I was twenty one. Oh, yeah. So I created the character of Georgia. Um, you know, and then there's Sophie, who actually is based on several um, several uh, women that I've met throughout my life, including my niece Grace. Um, you know, simply because you know Grace is just so incredibly quirky and so wonderful that I wanted to basically showcase her in all of her, you know, um, splendor, so mm -hmm. to speak. You know. Yeah. Um, but um, but getting I can't back, wait. I really should have read this. <laughs> but getting, back, getting getting back to the, getting back to the interior. So you have this great. Bit. We're all over with this. I know. We're, we're, I'm, I'm fine, so I'm fine sorry. With it. I know. I'm totally fine with it because if you listen to my podcast, they're pretty much all over the board. But I'm loving where we're going with this. Yeah. So the interiors are basically over the top. You know, you have. You have the Vasilikos, which is, you know, if you want to think of an old European castle that just has different styles. So we're talking about the French style and um, English and, you know, just about everything uh, that you can imagine. And each room is different. And then it has a whole bunch of these, like, art, you know, these, these um, 
what do I want to say? Um, so basically these artifacts from the demigod world. So for example... And this all includes Pottery Barn. And Yes. No, no, <laughs> there's no Pottery Barn in that. In no, that, I know, yeah. but I mean the book. It's yeah. just, like, I'm trying to keep this all... Yeah. It sounds like what's going on in my head all, half the time. Like I'm all everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so there but. are these artifacts, and one of the artifacts is actually the sword that Perseus killed the... Um, if, Killed the the Don't Medusa. Spill it if we're not, Don't well, no, no, it's, well, no, no. So it's just so it's just a sword and. Of course, this being quirky, it basically uh, there's a warning on it that says, "Don't touch the blade." Gorgon blood; it'll cause um, rashes and anal bleeding and all these different things. You know, just listed one after another. And once again, that's how I inject humor into into. That sounds like the side effects of some new medication. Oh, exactly. <laughs> but anyway. But anyway, so then so then there's like the realm of Eltheria, who is the oracle, and she basically. Um, she actually is a book, and she's a book, but she was a woman that was basically condemned into a book by a Greek god who was jealous. And so she made a deal with the muses, and she serves them, and then she's able to actually remove herself out of the book. But one of the powers that was granted to her was the, the ability to draw things into reality. Hmm. So when you first see her in the book, she is just a blank canvas. You know, she's basically, her face is just kind of horrific because it's just two holes, you know, for the eyes. I think I'm going to have bad dreams after I read this. <laughs> yeah. And then she just kind of draws herself into existence and the her Momo surroundings. Challenge. Did you know that Momo challenge thing? That's what this, that's what I have in my head right now. When is book two coming out? Uh, well, I'm in the middle of writing it. Um, but um, let me just say this. You know, the in the first book, the... The, the, the three main characters, Georgia, Callie, and Sophie, um, slowly grow together, and just right at the very end, chaos hits, and they are com their lives are completely shattered. So the next book is basically dealing with the aftermath, and, and I won't go into it okay. because, yeah. How many do you have planned? Do you have, any, do you have an amount planned, or are you just going to... I'm going to just How keep on writing. Well, I mean, you know. I can't, I, I can't get in the mind of a fantasy writer. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and my attitude is it could be three books, it could be eight books. Anyway, we have Vasilios Berlides. Berlides in the studio today, and we were talking about his book, Muse Unexpected. It's going to be in my online shop. I'll put it in the show notes. We're going to have him back soon, but thanks for coming out. Thank you so much for having You're me. You're welcome. Where, your book's on Amazon, right? Yes. And you can get the Kindle version? Yes. So it's in, is, do, is there an Audible version? No, unfortunately not. Although I am, just so that everyone knows, I am working on actually setting up, um, you know, getting a studio to actually record the You're book. sitting in one. Well, exactly. Hello. <laughs> it's so, quiet here at night, usually. <laughs> So who knows? Maybe maybe I'll be uh, knocking on your door, Danny Russo, to, to record my book. I might be scared of shit for reading this. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll be fine. All right, you're listening to Design Exchange. Happy Friday! Uh, it's a special episode. All right, thanks for listening.